is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Breathe In Podcast. I'm Tiffany Rich, and I'm here with my awesome co-hosts, Gunnar Sison and Leah Farone. And today we wanted to talk about coping and with progressing of diseases. Of Obviously, I have gone through a lot. Uh, my disease has progressed to <laughs> double lung transplant. And other people, like my co-hosts, have had progressive CF as well. So they have their stories. So Leah... You want to take it and talk about you progressing and coping with that? <laughs> tell us, Leah. Tell us. Oh. Tell us as you fight that cough. I don't know where to tell us <laughs> your fight. Tell us as you fight that cough. Like we're on like a midnight like radio station, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Late night talk show. We need some like the background music. Right. Um, so I think it was like three years ago or so, like after I got out of college. You know, like this disease has progressed in some way from the time I was diagnosed until then. But I feel like that's kind of when I had my major, you know, kind of having to readjust to CF, you know, because I feel like we've grown up with this disease, but it does change over time. And it's not always for the better, um, especially because we don't have all these new meds at our fingertips yet. Can't wait for that moment, but we're not totally there yet. So, um, yeah, I graduated from college and, you know, I was just starting my nursing career and all of that. And I was super excited. And then um, I kind of just got sick out of nowhere. I came off the study medication that I had been on. And within six months, I went from being this super active person to having a lung function of like 19% and not being able to leave my own bed. Um so that was pretty eye-opening for me, just because I had never been that sick before. Was it frustrating? Um, oh, so frustrating, because oh. no one in my life had seen me like that. Like, that was something new for me, and I was trying to cope with it. My parents were trying to cope with it. My sister was. All of my friends were. My boyfriend at the time was, and it was just, it was hard, you know, because people didn't know if I would recover from that, or if I would bounce back, or if I that was my new baseline. So... That was definitely pretty heartbreaking for me. Was it brought and upon then, like by a singular moment, would you say? Because I think mm-hmm. you talk like a lot of people will see if they always talk about like that one moment that sort of like mm-hmm. led to a like a waterfall, like a waterfall moment, I guess we can call it, where yeah. you know, some big event happens and then the next thing you know you're trying to you're trying to like pick your head up out of the water to keep yourself from drowning. Yeah, so like what I I don't think there was one particular moment. There is a moment that I realized something is terribly wrong. You know what I mean? So like I graduated college, everything was great. 
and I had like just been taking off my study medicine. So like the study medicine pretty much made my mucus like water, which was amazing because I would cough once and it came out. It wasn't like I coughed and coughed and coughed and you know, nothing was happening. It also let me gain weight, which was beautiful. And I was living a more normal life. Um, and then I came off of that. It took a little bit of time for the mucus to go back to how it was, so I wasn't really getting that out. Well, so just, was just, getting... just like a, as a like a quick little side note, when you say yeah. study medication, like there's no way to actually like objectively prove that right. it was working. It's it's your personal opinion of it's my personal yeah. opinion of whether or not it was working. It's just <laughs> what I noticed for myself. Yeah, like yeah, it was confirmed I was on the medication the whole time, but right. you never know. It could be in my hey. head. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways it's an, impo- that, it's an important it. little side note yeah no yeah. it's definitely important to say there's nothing that says like that was 100% what was causing the mucus to be different but mm-hmm. you know it's how you felt when I was on it it was one way and when I came off it was another so and I went on it back and forth a million times so I uh-huh. kind of learned but anyways so then I you know was on IV antibiotics I came off of them, and the IVs had caused my um, GI to act up. So Ugh, I was backed up for about a no. month. I did not Ugh. go to the bathroom yeah. for a month. Ugh. I was absolutely miserable. How'd you, how did you handle that? that huh? How did you handle that? Um, know, it was called I ate, like, maybe a little snack per day. Like, that was Ugh. it. How long ago was this? How long ago was this? This was right after college. So this was 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the winter. So, like, the IVs had backed me up, which I had never had it back me up to that point, you know? And they were making me do, like, go lightly and all of those things that you do before colonoscopy, and nothing was working. So, eventually, we had that taken care of, um, and I was great. But at that point, since I had so much down here, it had pushed my diaphragm all the way up, so I wasn't using my lungs the way I was supposed to. Wow. Wow. So, then I had another lung infection. So it was just like one thing after another, like we'd fix one problem and another problem would happen. And it just kept happening. And then finally I stabilized and I, you know, was doing a little bit better. Like I was probably in like the 30% lung range, which was good. And then we did a course of IVs as more of like a preventative thing. Cause I was at a point where it was like, okay, we could wait a little bit or we could be preventative, do two weeks and just like be done. So they did two weeks of it and then I came off of it. And within two days I felt awful. I called clinic. I was like, something is wrong. And they're like, it's probably just a virus. Let it pass. Like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, I think I need to be back on the IVs. And they're like, no, no, just wait it out. So I waited it out. And this was around like Thanksgiving of 2014. And my whole body just crashed. And that's when I like officially hit 19. I was stuck there for a little while. Um, They actually noticed it when I was in Boston for one of my like study med appointments and they were like you need to get back to Baltimore and just get admitted like this is not you know good so I was admitted we did a bunch of embolizations to help with bleeding because you know it's my thing (laughs) and (laughs) eventually I stabilized and with time I mean I think it took a good like six months I bounced back but I mean it took me probably two years to get back into like the high 30 percent range you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and that's so it was just yeah so it was definitely you know, frustrating I, I, I think couldn't do a whole lot I, you know um, it sounds a lot like you definitely felt like you were dealing with frustration over the extended period of time 
you know, I, I think you grow old enough with CF, eventually there's going to be, I'm sure Tiffany, you can talk about this, but, it, you know, you come across times when it feels like, you know, one domino strikes another domino, it strikes another domino, strikes another domino, right. and it's just like, yeah. you know, you feel like you're just constantly in a, a tailspin as far as your health goes. You know, you think you're totally. figuring out one thing and you're like, all right, I'm okay. And then, you know, a week later, something else happens. You know, I, right. I, I, that's definitely happened to me. I, you know, I think I can't say I've ever had something to the extent of what you went through or either you, Tiffany, but, uh, you know, after when I was towards my, the end of my senior year of college, um, which was 2013, you know, I sort of saw my graduation date as like a finish line as sorts because I think right. I, my body was just telling me that I had had enough and then I was mm-hmm. ready to just get out of there. And ultimately what I ended up sort of feeling was that I, you know, couldn't really handle the stresses that I was putting myself under as far as my freshman, sophomore, yeah. junior year went. And then by the time I graduated, it was just like a, that summer of 2013 through pretty much January, I guess from May, yeah, May 2013 through January 2014 was just almost hell for me. Uh, you know, I felt like it was like I was on IVs every other, you know, I go IV for two weeks, come off for two weeks, right back on. And it was just a disaster. Yeah, that was me for a long time. <laughs> and when you're in that, you sort of feel like, you know, am I ever going to get out of this? So like your, yeah. your mind starts playing very weird tricks on you. Yeah. You know, you're like, can I get out of this? Is this going to be my life for the rest of, for the rest right. of eternity? You know, I, I should be in the peak years of my life. I was 22 years old yeah. at the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. should I... You know, what should I be thinking about as far as my future goes? And you start Mm -hmm. having, like, these weird conversations with your parents because, like, they want to see you succeed. You know, they just sent you off to college. You come back from college and you're supposed to be, you know, going and charging forward in the world. The next thing you know, you're, like, just totally broken. And, I I mean, I definitely reached Mm -hmm. a breaking point once or twice during that, you know, six-month stretch there. But things eventually turned around. You know, I think, ultimately, I when I did come back from college, my nutrition, you know, you know, bounced back up. I stopped eating just fried food. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 play, that played a, an important role in this whole thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there were a number of things that I definitely did to get my health back. But I, in a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm, I'm definitely paying for that time that I was sick. It's still today. And then we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're four years later here. And it, it, it's like, yeah. you know, you sort of feel like you're, you're going through a, a, an immediate tailspin. And, you know, I, I can't even begin to imagine the frustrations that you felt, Tiffany, you know, when you were yeah. going through, you know, waiting for your you know, oh. real extended waiting for the transplant. Yeah. Well, I remember when I got listed for a transplant, it was very emotional. It was exciting. I was at school, actually, when I got listed and I came in crying like of happiness, happy tears, because, <laughs> it, it, well, I guess it's like happiness but it's frustration too because you don't want to have to go through a huge surgery like that you want to keep what you have and but you're to a point that your lung function sucks and you're not getting you're not able to do anything so it was emotional time I remember the first couple weeks people would call me on the phone and I would freak out because I didn't know, uh, am I going to get lungs right now? I haven't even processed this, you know? So, you know, two years and eight months later, I processed it. But <laughs> um, it's it was frustrating. I found myself crying a lot 
just in bed being like, why me in a way? But because I would hold it all in. And then just one day I saw like the Fault in Our Stars, the oh. trailer, and oh I just God. lost it. And it was right when, <laughs> right when I got me. listed that was coming out, that the trailer was out. And I just lost it. I was like, that's me. Oh, my, oh my God. God. You romanticized was, the whole thing. I just, that's you like, know. you can't do that. Like, you watch those. I know. I that's know. a stupid <laughs> movie. Oh, my God. That movie sucks. That I movie has the that worst movie. movie ever. I did not see it. And I'm pro- it's probably a good thing. Um, oh, my God. That movie it. is horrendous. It was, was it so bad. It was because I was in such a, like, that mindset right then because i was like i'm gonna get lungs this is awesome but i'm really like upset because cf is like sucks and i can't breathe so (laughs) i was just in like such a weird funk and you know i'm so i'm i keep myself positive because i know i was like i'm gonna get lungs this is gonna be great i'm gonna do things that i couldn't do before but then you have that thing like why is this happening? I'm frustrated. Why am I on IV meds again? Mm-hmm. Why do I puke yeah. every day from coughing? I can't have a bedding that I love because I puke <laughs> from that coughing. happened to you a lot. Like, I mean, well, I like do more, it a good amount, but yeah. you were doing it a it lot. A day. And just walking yeah. to the bathroom, I would just mm-hmm. cough so And it was, yeah. I'm trying to keep my weight up for transplant but i can't hold my food down because i'm coughing so hard right i call that the old mucus puke yeah Mm -hmm. exactly yeah i kind of love it though because it just gets it all out yeah it's definitely very relieving after and i feel great after yeah so i'm like whatever it's not like it feels great because your lungs like it's very weird sensation it's very weird like throwing up thing like you're not throwing up the contents of like you don't feel great it's because you like the way people think. Yeah, exactly. You don't feel great because yeah. like your stomach's empty. Like you, you still you want something in your stomach, but you feel great because your lungs have emptied. It's a very weird feeling. It's so weird. It's almost like a, it's almost like a mini bronchoscopy. Yeah. That's kind of what I like. Yeah. That's kind of what I relate yeah. that to. Mika's puke. You know, I think. True. You know, I, I, I the, the why me rabbit hole is a very weird rabbit hole to go mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is I you know I think. I do whatever I can to stay away from it. Even when I am exactly. sick, you know, I, 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 I think I, yeah. I think I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I've definitely gotten to the point where I've convinced myself that the why me question isn't really going to solve any of my problems, nor yeah. is it going to, it's not, nor is it going to help what me. I learned that helped the most was cause like during that period of time, that's when they were like, Oh, you might need a transplant. Let's start that process. You know, and all of that's hard because you're trying to have this realization, like, I'm losing part of my body mm-hmm. and, like, getting a new organ. Like, that's weird. Like, that's just it, a weird it's thing a weird to think about. You know what I it's mean? It's just changing a tire. It, it is. It's, 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 it's changing like, talk about it so casual. Engine. And I'm like, I've never engine. thought about this. But I think what I've noticed, like, from that time period is just, like, one, you have to continue to stay positive because the more oh, that you kind of put yourself down and question why me you end up just getting sicker you do you know what i mean like it makes it harder to fight i also think you need to change your way of thinking and like for me i was always a planner i planned everything Mm -hmm. um that's just how i was raised because my mom's like that 
And then I kind of realized one day, you know, I have to stop planning everything out. Life doesn't go that way. Definitely. doesn't matter if you don't have, like, even if you don't have CF, your life is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. People need to let go of that. They'd be a whole lot happier. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. But I started living more for the day. So I mm-hmm. would, you know, have little goals, but I wouldn't be thinking five years out. I'd be thinking, no. okay, maybe next week, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I think more living in the now and not being so planning and future oriented, I think changing my way of thinking really got me to a better place with all of that. And then I was able to overcome that time period, luckily, and I'm back to living my life the way I was, you know, in college. But it took a while, you know, yeah. and it was very eye opening. I always told myself, I to this day, even when little things happen or that there's someone else going through a rougher time than me. So I always think that in my head and just say, right. I'm blessed to be alive, breathing and being where I am today because you're not promised tomorrow, right? Yeah. So I I always have Put that in my head. <laughs> That's definitely as the much right. As possible. It's definitely the right frame of mind. I, you know, I think as yeah. the pity party begins, then yeah. you've started to walk down the, the wrong road. the wrong road. You know, I right. think people ultimately do cope with things in their own way, but the pity party mm-hmm. serves nobody, right? The pity party, only, right. like you said, Leah, is only going to make things worse because you're not going to be right. proactive in changing your lifestyle or your care. You know, if you've gotten mm-hmm. yourself to a point where you, maybe you do. You know, you're on the precipice of end stage respiratory illness. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself. Why am I there? And yep. you know, maybe exactly. some of those reasons are within your control, and maybe some of those reasons were not under your control. Exactly. You know, it sounds like Leah. You know, you 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 know, you it, it we you got to the you know the your 19 percent lung function, and a lot of that was outside of the realm of your control. It sounded like it was just one thing after the it next. It really wasn't. It was just one thing after the next. But then when I did have that break, where it was like I had done maybe a year of IVs, and that meant like I'd be on IVs for a month, and I'd come off, and then I'd be fine for a week, and I'd get sick again, and I just kept doing that. And a lot of times, it's because. That set of IVs, it's treating one infection, but it's not treating everything you have going on. But they also so create, like, one, the toxicity also creates other issues. another one up, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, it's just hard to find that balance, and sometimes it takes mm-hmm. a couple rounds of those IVs in order to balance it out and get back to your baseline. Yeah, I, you know? you're definitely right. You know, I felt, I've been on IV polymixin a few times, and mm-hmm. that it's just it's a hard drug, and it... It, it does kill. It kills everything. It's it's one of those drugs of like last resort or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've never it, done it, it, it basically but... it kills everything. But it's it's a very hard drug to go on because the side effects are just very brutal. You know, there's there's neurological side right. effects to it. So it, like you start to lose feeling in your hands and you lose feeling mm-hmm. in your mouth. It's, it's, you lose balance. Yeah. Like you have like you can't taste uh-huh. anything for the entire time you're on the uh, treatment. Oh, it's, that's it's, miserable. It's brutal. I had that after an MRI, and yeah, I was not. It's a, a it's a brutal. Yeah, you were not a fan. It's a, yeah, it's a brutal existence, but. You know, it's one of those things where it kills everything, but at the same time, the toxicity of it is also creating issues elsewhere, at least, you know, in right. my my personal experience with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like, it's a very frustrating thing to go through because it's just three weeks of hell. Then you, you then you finally come off the IV and you're like, you know, I can breathe, it's great, but you just feel totally, totally weak. You know, you mm-hmm. basically lost. It takes a while to recover from exactly. stuff like that. And more and more you go on IV antibiotics, a, the less effective they are, but B, mm-hmm. you know, the, the longer the recovery period from right. the, the medication, you know, 
that you're, you're going to experience. And it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to deal with. It's also a hard thing to wrap your head around because, right. you know, you grow up in, the, in such a way that you're like, oh, you take some medicine, you feel better, you move on, mm-hmm. right? You know, as right, you get yeah. older, you have to start Doesn't to convince really yourself that, that it's no longer the same thing. I mean, well, a lot of times I'm... it's outweighing those, is this medicine going to help me or is this medicine, the side effects and everything that's going to come with it, is that going to be worse in the long run for me? You know, and you have to weigh those. At least I have to majority of the time when I do any med at this point. Yeah. So. Oh, well, I was on meds every three you were weeks. On a lot. Yeah. And it was to I was getting resistant to everything because that's the scary part when you start was, getting resistant to everything. And we would just put me on the drugs even though it said resistant because I was actually kind of getting better. But then it would be a week, and then I'd mm-hmm. not feel good at all, and then we'd go back on them. Mm-hmm. So, and we had to change them periodically, but it was frustrating <clears throat> because I just wanted to, I wanted at least a couple weeks to just feel good. Because right. Lee life. and I would talk, well, Lee and I would talk about it, and when we were younger, we would get on IVs, like you said, and you would feel like Superwoman after you Superman. Would. It was amazing. You would feel so yeah. great and be able to go do stuff. And I wouldn't even everything. cough for like six yeah. months. And I'm like, what exactly. is this? You know, now I'm like, oh, I had like and a then, whole hour without it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the, yeah, that happens. So it's hard to think about that and be like, well, now I'm doing antibiotics all the time and I'm not even feeling any relief. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think... You, 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 you know, when you say, you know, it'd be nice to have a week or two, you know, just have some clarity there. And I, that is one place I, I do find that my mind sometimes does stray where I'm like, you know, it would be nice if I just felt like a week I didn't have to do this. Like if I was able to take like a, a real legitimate vacation mm-hmm. and not have to deal with this for like a week yeah. and just recharge the batteries, then that's mm-hmm. all it would take. But, you know, there are times that's when not- that's just not really a reality. Now, Tiffany, like what was it like to sort of be dealing with end stage respiratory illness like what you know were you able to go to the movies like what what did you what were you doing to like pass the time so um i would definitely netflix that was yeah. like the savior <laughs> um it you know it's difficult being in bed all most of the time because i didn't want to we have stairs in our house so going up and down the stairs all the time was just brutal so I would make sure if I got upstairs, I would stay there for a while. And it, it was kind of just not fun. Cause, and now I don't even want to be in my room because I remember too much just time being there. in here, being, <laughs> staying here. And I would go to the movies with my oxygen. But it, I felt kind of, kind of weird because it was loud. So it was the concentrator. So, but no one... No one cared, and I would go see action movies, so they're really loud. Oh, so, yeah. loud. so yeah. it's a, it's a, it was in our stars, you know, it where it's just good. A no, it was not. It, it was, it was not one of those. Right. My boyfriend wouldn't do that, <laughs> um, but I would go do as much as I can. Um, a few weeks before transplant, I went to a beauty thing called Generation Beauty, and we got me a wheelchair and oxygen and. The people at the desk charged my batteries for me so that I could do the whole thing. And my friends 
wheeled me around and it was so much fun. I, it made you feel like, oh, I don't have my disease right now because I was having so much fun. Right. You need Even that. though I had my oxygen in and I was getting wheeled around. But it was okay. so much fun because I was in my element. I was in my makeup world and I had my friends with me and, you know, I was excited. And one of the beauty bloggers that I met there, Manny, he told me, he's like, you're going to get your lungs. You're going to get your lungs. And what, three weeks later, I got my lungs. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, like what kind of yeah. role did your your friends sort of play in your at least in your you know, experience through transplanting and dealing with end stage illness. Like, did you, did you feel like you were missing out on things? Did did you feel like you were a burden for them? What was it like? Yeah. So I felt like, well, the good thing is, is that they made every effort to come see me or come to me, which was very nice. They didn't expect me to go places. They offered, they said, you know, you were going to go do this. If you feel up to it, you can come but do not strain yourself. Or my, uh, Kelsey, my best friend, she always was like, I'm going to come pick you up. I'm, we're not going to make you drive. I'll come get you. Whatever you need, we'll do it. And she actually took me to the ER a few times (laughs) because, well, she, she saw me and she's like, you're not, you're not good. You're not looking good. And they usually can see my breathing Mm -hmm. and, She's mm-hmm. like, no, you're not doing good. I'm taking you to the ER. And I was like, no, no. You know, I was stubborn. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. But she's like, no, I think, I think, I think you should. And I was like, fine. I think you're right. <laughs> but they all helped me through it. You know, I had some friends that didn't work out. But the ones that okay. really cared and Mm-hmm. Helped me cope with everything. Did that make it that harder way. though? You know, obviously, if you had yeah, training friendships, it did. It, yeah. yeah, it did. It made it a lot harder because some people just didn't understand why can't you come? I went, you know, I went to this this thing the other week, but I couldn't go to this this week. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. they didn't understand right. that <clears throat> every day is different for people with CF. And right. for me, it was a lot because I was at end stage, I was 20% lung function. And I, I physically could not get out of bed. And sometimes I did uh, start the pulmonary rehab, which helped a little bit, but that was literally, I would go for like, I think Leah, wasn't it like a week? Yeah. And oh, then you I would got go into this pattern. So like, yeah. You had this pattern where you'd be on IVs for two weeks. You would come off of them. You'd have one really great weekend where she'd, like, go do something fun. And then right after that weekend, you'd start feeling bad again, you know, and you'd kind of wait it out, and then you'd end up on IVs again. And the thing with your, like, pulmonary rehab that was weird, or I don't know if they all work this way, but it was, like, a class with multiple people. So you had to wait until that class started. Mm -hmm. And then you would start the class and you get a week in and then you start getting sick again. And when you got sick, you couldn't do anything at all. So then you would basically drop out of the class and then you'd have to wait till it started again. Yeah. You know, and it just, it didn't work. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know, like you're kind of in a, 
like you talked about before, you're, that was like your version of the tailspin, right? Like you were just mm-hmm. totally going through different things. And, you know, I, I have to imagine that straining friendships wasn't an easy thing. It's, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have not experienced that. I know, Leah, you have, but, you know. I and mine was during the time where I was pretty sick, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, and it definitely makes it hard. And I think, you know, it, why does that happen? I think it may happen because you're obviously not involved in different things, you know. You're definitely missing mm-hmm. out on certain experiences. It's not like you're living in college anymore where you're living amongst your friends. You know, you're at that point. Right. After you're out of college, you're living away from people. You're kind of on your own or they're they're on their own doing their own thing. And, you know, people evolve and, and change the way they look at stuff. And that, I think it's a very weird thing to sort of see that. Um, and unfortunately, it sounds like both of you went through it. And, you know, but I think, like I've always said, when... When you're, when I'm at my sickest, at least that's when I know, you know, uh, know when best to judge someone's character, right? Like you, right. you sort of see how people react around very sick people, and I do think that, you know, you, you're you're living, around, you know, you're 25 years old, and everyone at that age, other if you don't have a chronic illness, feels like they're immortal, like they're just you know going to live oh, forever, yeah. and mm-hmm. if you, unless you're dealing with something that you know is not is gonna well, it's really gonna prevent you from living forever. You have no recollection of what that's even like. Right. No, it's true. And, like, I think it's a good thing in a sense that we both went through those situations and we've learned who our real friends are and who they aren't. You know, at least we're not wasting our time on them anymore. I mean, there's positives to it, but when you go through the actual process of losing people that have been in your life for 10-plus years, you know, and suddenly they're just not okay with an aspect of your life that's always been there – it's just, it's hard to go through. It's hard to stay positive every day and keep fighting and hope that, you know, you'll overcome this hard obstacle. How does the friendship come to an end? Do they ghost you or do they have like a, uh, a conversation with you? I had a, I had a big I had a conversation. conversation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Big conversation. It's almost like um, breaking up with someone. Yeah, It's it kind is. of a it's... similar process, but it's a lot uglier. What, what do they say to you? It... I don't uh, want to watch you die. Um, yeah. I mean, they it, it gets pretty intense. Yeah, and like, yeah, my one girl was like, um, "I I want to know when you get lungs, but I don't. I'm not going to be there." Yeah, and just it's it's not it's not nice. It's it not a nice the ugly side of people. But the good uh-huh. thing is, there are other people out there that are a whole lot nicer, and they're good people. Yeah, mm. I just think a lot of people around our age are very self centered and. Mm-hmm. there's nothing you can really do about that you know yeah. and I think it comes with the whole feeling immortal to life and all of that and yeah. it's just because they've never been through anything that hard in their life to really yeah. have that realization yeah, yeah I, the bottom line people aren't prepared for for real adversity like you hear people complaining <laughs> about little small insignificant things all the time and that oh, yeah. drives me crazy like, it drives you, me crazy. Oh, like crazy. you hear people like complaining deal. on the news about like little tiny baby things and you're like, i don't watch the news anymore and you're like oh my god just get over yourself the stuff that comes up the majority of the time is really stupid yeah, yeah no, like there are major issues that are on there and yeah you get filled in on those other ways but a lot of the little in between stuff i'm like you have to be joking well it's just like people around oh i broke a nail and they just like go off about it. Like, you were just like, I'm I just like, really? You know, like, okay. I will say though, I had a foot injury about a year ago, and I've never complained more in my life. That <laughs> hurt like a, oh, like a, like a really bad word. I'm, and I, I, I broke. I don't blame you. Yeah, and that sucked. Like I'm telling you, that 
I've never been in more pain in my entire life than when I had my my ligament tear in my foot last year. Oh, mm-hmm. That was like the worst thing ever. And yeah, you know, I I really do my best not to complain about anything CF related, but I felt Same. that I was entitled to complain about my foot injury. <laughs> like, let me tell you something. I I wanted to make sure my parents knew that I was hurting. I wanted to make sure my girlfriend knew that I was hurting. I wanted to make sure my friends knew that I was hurting. I mean, like, I needed a hug in the worst way, and my foot was killing me. But yeah. when it comes to other things, then I give people our time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I went through my whole migraine issue over the summer, yeah, I um, complained a lot. Well, that's fine. But I definitely was never in that much pain in my life. I was also, like, half paralyzed for a little while, so that was weird. Yeah, but, I mean, um, like, you're, like, allowed to have a little ground here and there. Yeah. But yeah, if you're complaining about menial things, then, like, all right, get over it. You know, I, it's, you know, I think what it comes down to is people come through adversity in different ways and it, and it manifests itself in different ways and you learn how to cope with it in different ways. And one of the things that we are, I guess, in a very weird way blessed with is the ability to cope with adversity in a constant way. You know, like we're dealing, you know, you're, we learn at a very young age that things in our life are not going to go away or they're not going to get better anytime soon or, or very quickly you know, we learn how to deal with them over the long run, whereas people who are not ever exposed to adversity or, in your case, exposed to someone who may seem like they're dying, you know, it's like, it, it, it's a very, you know, it's a it's an eye-opening experience for someone to go to, to go through it in, in a way a third party goes through something like that, you know, and yeah. I think it's our responsibility in a way to sort of... I don't want to say, like, feel bad for those people who haven't gone through it, like, who don't know how to deal with it, but, you know, at least recognize that there are people out there who are very ignorant and don't know any other way to cope with it. You know, that's, like, that, that's, like, that's their think, own fault, and, we, and it doesn't fall upon us to deal with that. I think I didn't realize that at the time when I was, like, going through all of that and losing these friends. And then as I started to come out of that, you know what I mean, and I started getting healthier and... I kind of, once I hit that window of, you know, I'm getting healthier, let me take ownership of this and do as much as I can to kind of get myself back to where I was four years ago, you know, <clears throat> and adding in like physical therapy and stuff like that. Um, just like different relationships I had in my life, even how some people who had just recently met me, like there was this guy I was dating and it was like a casual thing. And I remember I kind of opened up to him about like what I was going through because I still had some of that emotional stuff going on just with, you know, I was getting better, but it's just an emotional process of going from being super sick and then finally getting your life back. But uh, you just have all these emotions with it. And I remember I just kind of like opened up one day and, you know, wanted to see how I was going to deal with it. And he just ignored me. Every time he didn't know how to cope with something, I would say he would just ignore me. And I took that kind of personally at first. And then I just realized some people just do not know how to cope with things. They do not know how to put themselves in other people's shoes. And that's okay. They just I mean, can't be main players in your life. Exactly. You just realize that you, know? you need to move on. Like, that, right. that person doesn't need to play a significant role. Exactly. And it's not a big deal, but I think that's an important thing to realize is that not everyone's going to be able to deal with this. It's better, okay. to, it's better to find that out, like, early um, on compared mm-hmm. to later on when... Definitely. And I think that's what hurts, or at least yeah. that's what hurt Tiff and I, is the fact that... A lot of the people that left our lives were people that had been there for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, since middle school. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> unbelievable. So, right. Yeah. But I also think that's not a typical thing to happen either. 
you know, we just weren't lucky. But that's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. I think, you know, circling back to the to the original topic here, you know, I, you know, it's still very fascinating to hear what you did, Tiffany. Like, what was like a day? What was a like a day in your life when it got to the very end of your original lungs? Like what? Like what? What did uh, it, what did a day look like? Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, my day. So I would wake up probably at three a.m. Do a treatment because I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Then I would go back to sleep, kind of coughing all the time. I'd wake up, do another treatment because it was about four hours, and then I would sit in bed. My mom would bring me food because I couldn't physically get up. I, I was probably, I think I was on antibiotics at that time. I was, yes. I just got out of the hospital and um, I was doing antibiotics. Then I would watch TV. I'd read. I would probably FaceTime Leah. Yeah, usually she FaceTimed at least once a day. I think that, I think one of those days I FaceTimed Leah and we were trying to figure out what to do because mm-hmm. I was so sick. And, and then you got did... your lungs literally like the de- next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were con- like throwing ideas out and, you know, I'd get up to go to the bathroom, puke. Yeah, <laughs> I was like every time you got up to go to the bathroom, you'd puke. <laughs> I would just, yeah, every time. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to get up because I didn't want to puke. And I would literally stay in bed most of the time. I would Mm -hmm. try to go downstairs and do stuff, but at that point we knew it was, it was time and my UNO score went up then quite a bit apparently because then a couple days later I got my lungs and I was very happy about that. Because I, I can't I imagine the euphoria that you must have felt in the moment after I, just like, well, that, I mean, like, could you even shower? Oh, my mom would have to help me. We got a shower chair. We got a shower chair and my mom would help me. And when you're 27 years old, you do not want people helping you shower. But I had no choice because I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. I legit could not breathe. I remember the moment yeah. the shower chair was ordered. I mean, it was like a big decision. <laughs> I was like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I was like, I order one. I'm like, just order one. Well, I ordered one <clears> because throat> throat> I was in the shower and I got dizzy. And mm-hmm. I was. I told my mom, I'm like, okay, we need to get something here because this is not working. I almost passed out in the shower. No. So it was, yeah, it it was fr- that's frustrating to have someone have to help you shower. You don't want that, especially when you're in your 20s. Just when you and have to depend on someone that much. I mean, I think that's exactly. really hard. You know, you're giving had, up all control. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I we all it. feel our, like we all fear helplessness, right? Like that's yeah. not, mm-hmm. that's not something you want to have to deal with. You do no. feel like it, and then Giving Tuesday got that call for lungs. Yep, and, and then it out. all changed after that. <laughs> and the rest is history, and then now here we are. Exactly. And here we are, and now Great. she's like doing crazy stuff every weekend. Well, not crazy stuff, but like oh, she's just out doing stuff. <laughs> Fun stuff. What a change! What a change! What a change a year makes. Now. What change? <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, what, a, what a change a year makes. Anyways, well, 
So I think we're we're we're, we're over our time limit here, but I, you know, this is definitely you know we can definitely come back to this topic. I think you know the the big thing to learn or take away from this one, I think, is you know uh, the progression does happen, whether it happens for some people in very short period of time or happens over a very long period of time. And hopefully, you know, there's new medications that will you know be that are you know as we are always told, just a few years away that you know right. prolong that inevitable moment. Or at least push that, you know, that inevitable moment off into the the distant, distant future. And I, that's definitely the hope here. Um, but I, you know, I think uh, I, you know, Tiffany, thanks for sharing that very candid story. You know, I, it seems like a very difficult, difficult time to go through. You know, and just address poor illness. Yeah, you know, like I had with my little foot injury. You don't really realize how much you use that one part of your body, or how much you rely on that singular part of your body. And in your case, you know, not being able to breathe and and having to ultimately, you know, rely on somebody else is definitely a very difficult way to have to cope with, you know, a very physical, a, a hard way to physically cope with, you know, end stage illness. Whereas, you know, you know, there are other things, you know, that's, you know, it ultimately comes down to whether or not, like we said, you know, you're you're prepared to deal with adversity in a in a very positive way. And I think Leah nailed it earlier when she said that you know positivity is definitely what leads to change in a person's life. It does. And sometimes the change is not necessarily going to happen, but I think positivity at least will keep you stable. You yeah, know, definitely. always laugh. Yeah. Always laugh every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a good I idea. can't control how much I laugh. Wow. It's actually it's a smile. problem. And then it makes you cough and like you're, and they get snot oh, yeah, flying out of you. It's a crazy, it's a disaster. It's it does. I do it so much at work and my patients are like, are you okay? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. There you go. Smile and laugh. Uh, all right well thanks for tuning in for this episode of the breathe in podcast remember if you want to hear us pod, uh, podcast about something specific you can always email me at gunners blog at asias.org you can email the salty sisters at salty Here, sisters at we're like walking billboards salty sisters at gmail.com c-y-s-t-e-r-s and we're on instagram and facebook and twitter at salty sisters Yep. yep. You can always yeah follow us on Facebook too. You can call me on Facebook. I'm Gunnar Size, and obviously, hello uh, on Instagram. And then you can follow the podcast on Instagram. That's at breathe underscore pod. No, Under, no at breathe underscore in at underscore pod. That's what it is. Breathe in yes. pod. Follow that. Yes. And then you can also follow us on or subscribe to us rather on iTunes. If you do like, share, review. Also like, share, review us on YouTube and you can check more of our episodes out either on iTunes or YouTube or at GunnarSizen.com Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it and we will be back next week.